Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and on this week's show, Steve and I are joined by Todd Fithian. Todd is the founder of The Legacy Companies, a firm that provides training as well as consulting and coaching for advisors to help them improve and grow. And this was a great conversation. Todd has over two decades of experience in this industry as an advisor, an author, and a trainer. He is so passionate about the extraordinary work that advisors do and how to help them do even more for their clients. And that passion comes through loud and clear. He's also the author of two books, including the best-selling The Right Side of the Table, and if you listen to the end, he has a special offer for you. Todd talks to us about how we need to change the conversations we're having with clients to engage more deeply, and he goes very deep on two specific strategies. The first is the bridge talk, a creative take on how to share what you do, particularly when you're in a social situation, in a way that helps generate interest in learning more. He also talks about a structure for an initial prospect meeting, which he calls the best meeting ever. And I think it is. And with that, let's get straight to our conversation with Todd. Well, Todd, welcome to Becoming Referrable. So happy to have you here. Yeah, welcome, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be part of it. Hey, look, I have, uh, I've known you for quite a while and seen some of the great work that you've done, but I, it probably makes sense to just start with a quick overview for the folks that are listening of the work that, that you're doing right now. Yeah, I absolutely love to do that, uh, Julie. Thank you. So, you know, we, uh, I entered into financial services a long time ago, um, you know, close to 30 years ago now, and you know, I was growing up third generation in my family in the business, my grandfather, father in the business, and all very successfully um, using traditional approaches in the business. And, you know, one of the things as I entered the business that I found flawed was uh, really the training in, in uh, the ways in which advisors were being brought in to connect with, engage, and ultimately sell clients' products. It was a very transactional approach. And I never really connected with that uh, in a meaningful way. And in fact, I, I struggled many ways in the business because um, I, I tend to be a much more relational-oriented guy, and, and it was nothing about that. So um, fast-forwarding trial and tri tribulation, trying a bunch of things in our own practice, um, we were really studying you know, behavioral advice and behavioral decision-making long before it was a buzzword like it is today uh, in our industry. And, um, you know, my, my brother and I were studying and researching and going to courses uh, and learning enough to be really, really dangerous. And the reality is, is that we began to start to apply some of these approaches and theories with our own clients and, and really just connecting with them to try and uncover what mattered to them and what was important to them uh, before we began to tell them how smart we were and all the things that we had to offer them. Um, and, and the results were pretty staggering. And to kind of just fast forward that, um, you know, we, we, we literally saw our business grow quite dramatically. The number of introductions that we were getting to other families that were looking for this type of relationship uh, grew dramatically. And we had a group of advisors around the country, and Julie, I think I've shared this with you in our past, 
that, that literally said, hey, will you come out and show us what you guys are doing because you're having fun. Your, your business is obviously very successful. We want to know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we, we literally had a group of about 80-some-odd advisors flying to Chicago. We spent two days with them, and we gave them everything it is that we were doing, every tool we had developed. And um, at the end of that, they said, when are we getting together again? And, and me and my brother scratching our heads said, guys, we just gave you everything we got. And, you know, I guess, you know, this is the foundation of legacy because my brother and I went back to our office and we sat in the conference room and stared at each other and said, are we going to do this? Like, there's a need. We had a need. And so that was really the birth of legacy. And today, you know, 22 years later, um, we are, you know, one of the leading, um, you know, training, consulting uh, coaching organizations, helping advisors build the most meaningful relationships uh, with their clientele, um, yet with an eye on profitability uh, and, and growth uh, in the business model. So, so showing people how to do it in a systematized way and being able to replicate that from client to client. So you know, that's, that's really a, you know, a, a global perspective of legacy, mm -hmm. our path, how we get to where we are today. It's uh, yeah, it's always such a straight line, isn't it, between uh, there and here? Uh, it's 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 a great story though, but I I love that it was I love that the model was born of just a passion that you and your brother had, a way you wanted to work, and 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 clearly it worked. Now I recall that when. When I first became aware of the work that you did, it you know I would have characterized it as really changing the conversations that you have with clients. And you talked about this concept of um, above and below the line. Is I mean, does that still characterize uh, an overarching approach? Maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, um, you know, good things that that work. Um, have lasted at Legacy. You know, that goes back a long time when we came up with that concept. And I will tell you, it is one of the secret sauces to what we teach advisors and how we, te how we help advisors be different. And it's this concept of what we call the planning horizon. And it divides, as you pointed out, those two different conversations that both have to be considered um, when, when, when the advisor's clients are making decisions you know, about the future and their lives and their business and all those things. And, and the areas below are all around strategies, tactics, and tools, which, as you can imagine, these below-the-horizon or below-the-line conversations, that's a very busy and competitive place. In fact, that's where most of the industry begins or gets to as quickly as they can. And what we uncovered, again, going back to kind of the behavioral stuff we learned years and years ago, was that clients are looking for that different conversation, and, and there's not a lot of advisors that have chosen to enhance their skills in what we call those above-the-line conversations or above that planning horizon, which really gets into the vision, the values, and the goals. And so this has been one of our staples to help advisors to be able to differentiate really, really quickly with a complete stranger or even going back to a 30-year relationship and saying, listen, my work here has evolved in my business, and, and I want to really share with you how we're impacting clients today. So Todd, you know, that really is at the center of us still. Yeah, so Todd, can you give us an example or two of, of what an above-the-line kind of conversation might be and, and how advisors can shift their thinking that way? Absolutely. You know, I think every, everybody today, Steve, like every, every advisor out there, like every advisor, not even the best advisors, but every advisor is talking about goals and objectives. Like you can't 
survive in this world if you're not doing that. Those are table stakes, right? But the reality is of what we found is that when we start with goals, most people don't sit down and have these deep thought out conversations at home. And so when, when you're talking to people about their goals, a lot of times you get the right answers but not necessarily the real answers. And so an above-the-line conversation for us takes place first and foremost with an exploration of their vision. You know, how do they want to see things as they think about their future? Um, and that can be related to themselves in retirement. It can be related to their business, to their family, to their kids. But we look at vision not as a corporate boardroom vision statement with a big plaque and, you know, that you hang up on the wall, but, you know, it's literally – Uncovering for people, when you think about the future, how do you want things to look, feel, and be? And sometimes that shows up even as a couple of paragraphs. Sometimes it's four or five bullet points, but it's real and it's meaningful. And so that's the first part of an above-the-line conversation. The second thing that we get into is really uncovering their values. And we look at values and we teach values as rules and standards in, in the ways in which people operate. And these are rules and standards are things that need to be honored and respected. And so um, we've developed a values card system that we teach advisors to go through with clients and facilitate helping people really connect with what are their core values and how do those show up in their lives. It's a game-changing conversation. Advisors, for the most part, are, are, are really not doing this type of conversation with clients. And, and, and again, the research and the studies out there support that this is what they want. And, and the third part of it is the goals. So when you have clarity around vision, when you're honoring and respecting the things that they value as a family, as a unit, as an individual, the goals now become the things that move us closer and closer to that vision while respecting and honoring the things that they value along the way. It's an entirely different conversation, um, and, and that's the level of exploration that we're building confidence and skills in advisors actually having out there in the marketplace. Total differentiator. And so, so you just you talked about skills there, which is what I was thinking as you were you were clarifying that is it would be so easy to fall back on the shallow. Tell me your vision. Tell me your goals, and and kind of leave it there. Is that where some of the skills really come in? Is learning how to peel back that onion and really understand what's going on? A hundred percent. I mean, one of the challenges that we run into with our clients, and you know, Julie, you know, we work with. I mean, we're working with more and more newer advisors, which are easy because they don't have all the bad habits and all the history to unwind. But I work with a lot of twenty. 25, 30, 35, 40 year veterans in this business. And so they creep back into old habits. They struggle. I had an advisory team yesterday in a coaching session with me going, Tom, like, we don't talk about this stuff. Like, we, we don't do this stuff. And I said, you know what I love? I love that you're admitting it. Because I run into a lot of people that <laughs> they do it when I know that they don't. And so this is new, but we're about creating a difference. Right? We want to have an impact. We want to be at the center of their lives, and we want them to see us as that one that knows them better than anybody else in their advisory mm -hmm. team. And these are the conversations that matter. So we're constantly, Julie, pulling people back and saying, no, like that's not how you do it. You've got to dig in. And, and we make it mm -hmm. simple, though. I will tell you, like, we're, 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 we've got a very structured way in which we're doing it, and it makes it safe. But still, it, it feels risky when you've never done it really never done it. 
And this must be, I mean, you mentioned couples at, at some point there. This must be hugely valuable for getting couples on the same page. Oh, don't even get me going about couples. Okay, forget, forget <laughs> it. Forget it. Uh, no, I gotta go now. Now I gotta go because <laughs> with with how many uh, financial advisors, uh, and I'm sorry to say this, and Julie, you're you're gonna you know where I'm going are are mm -hmm. leaving women out of the conversation. Oh yeah. And I've written articles, and I I will tell you, I'm gonna write a book. I talk about this as much as I can, but you are missing the whole game because women control more wealth in this country than men do. They're receiving more higher education. They outlive us medically, and that's only going to continue to evolve and increase and grow. Uh, I have advisors tell me all the time, I hear it all the time, where they haven't been engaged. For, forget about the kids and the next gen, the, the, the husband and wife, right, yeah. because that that's your first challenge, and so we're we're big on that. That is that's table stakes for us. Um, we plan as a family, and and we want every stakeholder at that table as part of that discussion for sure. And so you talked about some different strategies that you teach advisors with this conversation. Can you give me even just like a a single example of something an advisor can do differently to help lead them down this this uh, path of a deeper conversation? You know, here's the thing, and I'm going to give you the, the real, the, the, the simplest answer to this. And I, I don't think advisors step outside of how they behave and perform and act when they get in front of clients. It's a very difficult thing to do and to do it with that, with that real lens. And how am I performing? When, when I have a 30-minute meeting conversation with a client, like how much am I talking versus how much am I listening? And, and the thing that I would say that advisors can do, which is a form of an above-the-line conversation, is to be inquisitive and don't talk. Ask questions and, and let people respond. And, you know, bring empathy and, and interest and, and discovery to every interaction you have with people. And, and just simply doing that one thing, you will be amazed with how much more you hear, and when you hear a lot more, how much more you learn, and when you learn a lot more, how much more opportunity shows up. And so I don't know if that's what you're looking for, Julie, yeah. but like I would say it, it, it's the simplest thing that I would say people can take away and do. Yeah, and, and, and especially yeah, and especially in a new client relationship, you know. It, but um, you know, because you are trying to learn and not so much trying to present who you are, but trying to find out who they are. One of the other things that you talk about is is um, you you call the bridge talk. Can you tell us a little bit about what that idea is and how that differs from, say, an elevator pitch? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here we go with another. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> you know. Elevator, uh, you know, the whole concept of the elevator pitch is what we're, we're trying to run away from because every advisor I met, including myself, before I had this epiphany, you know, recreated my own elevator pitch at least a dozen times in my career as an advisor. And, and the thing that I'll tell you is that they're very self-centered, they're very uh, hokey, they're very salesy, they're very pitchy. And so 
um, we came up with the concept of a bridge talk, and I'll give you the magic formula behind it because I want your listeners to really understand it because this can be a really impactful thing for them to be able to take away. Um, but the bridge talk is really about creating that social ask into a professional opportunity. It, it's, it's kind of synthesizing where people are asking us in a social setting, what do we do potentially, where it's not about networking. And when, when we respond with an elevator pitch, we become instant salespeople. But when we respond with a bridge talk, we become conversational. So I'll give you an example of this with, with one of our, our best advisors. And I use this example all the time because I love it. And, and he would hate to say if he's listening to this, he'd hate to hear that some people have loved it so much they've stolen it and they're using it too. But, you know, you know this one advisor, like the focal point of his business um, is around retirement. And so the thing that he came up with around his bridge talk, when people ask him what he does, he said, I have a, I have a business that focuses on helping people retire on their own terms. Okay, I have a business that focuses on helping people retire on their own terms. Listen, in North America, how many people do you two know that are retiring on their own terms these days? Mm -hmm. They feel yeah. in control, right? That, right? that right there is something that this advisor and his entire team and everybody in his business can say from a main stage, from the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl, sitting next to the little old woman in the pew at church, they will say it that way anyway. And the key to it is it's real. It's authentic. It's conversational. It's not salesy. But it is purposely designed to engage permission marketing where somebody would say, how do you do that? Can you tell me more about that? I'm interested in that. Yeah. And so the magic formula I'll just share with you and, and uh, here for the last piece of this is the bridge talk has to hit two things. The first part is, who do I help? Right? That's the first thing the advisors need to answer. Who is that, who's that market? And a niche market is a really scary thing for most of my clients when we first approach it with them because they're like, very few. I mean, I might have one in a hundred that say, I work with this specific group. Um, and so, you know, but it is about getting clear in your business, even if it's a 30% block of your clientele, that if you could recreate just them and have 100% of them, those are the people you want to work with because it's the best relationships. That's the people you want to focus on. And that's the difference between sales and marketing because people don't understand, people really don't understand that, that, that difference in this business and that marketing is when I'm spending dollars in my business outwardly, writing checks, going into my wallet, pocketbook, what have you, on my business. That's marketing. And you need to absolutely do that to a findable, definable group, right? But sales is somebody would like to do business with me. I can choose as a business owner to do business with whoever I want. But when we're marketing, we're deliberate and we're focused. So the first part is, who do I help, right? Who's my clientele? The second part is, what are the problems that I solve? So who do I help and what problems do I solve for these people that I help? And so I help retirees retire on their own terms. You know, it's, it strikes me with that too because you mentioned authentic. And there's a fine line, right, to finding the words 
that makes sense. And I like I like that a lot. Um, some of, sometimes I think we try to be too cute for our own good oh, with these yeah, things. You right. know what I mean? Where yeah. people are like, you you what? What now? Yeah. 100%, 100%, 100%. And you can't use somebody else's words. You can't use yeah. words that you don't use. I tell them, you know, are you married? You know, do you have kids? Go back and say this to them. And if they look at you inquisitive and, and good and calm and say, oh, good dad or good mom, you know, yeah. then, then I think you got it right. But if they're like, what did you just say? Well, then <laughs> you don't have your right words. You, you, it's got to be real. You're totally right, Julie. Yeah, it is, it's and so it, it's uh I I love that that this is um this is designed to help people sort of like you say it's a bridge talk sort of bridge that gap and and I imagine this also helps existing clients to refer better in a way because they've got they've got the words as well. Yeah, I um you know as advisors so many times when we're getting business that's coming in you know, it's, it's kind of a good problem to have. Like, I mean, it's not a problem. It's a good thing, right? You're like, hey, I've got people coming in. People are giving me, you know, making introductions, referrals, whatever, however they define them, and that's a good thing. But what's interesting is we challenge our advisors to think about, well, how are those people introducing you? In, in fact, I had a call this morning with an advisor who's actually getting quite a bit of people coming in through his existing clients. And I said, listen, you need to open up those conversations to make sure they really understand, you know, how you want them to view you and see you. If this is a client you want to have for the next 20, 30 years, I said, you need to open up that meeting and say, hey, you know what, Julie's been a fantastic client over the years, and I understand you all are, are great friends, and she has sent us amazing relationships that are going to become clients. One of the things that I always find funny about Julie is how she actually talks about me and how she introduces me. And so I'm curious, how did Julie introduce you to me? What did she say to you I do? right? That's telltale, you know, um, because now I can correct it live with this stranger, right? I can reframe how I want them to see me, and then I know I've got to go back out and have a meeting with Julie. So absolutely, going back out to existing clients, your professional relationships with accountants and lawyers and, you know, so on and so forth, we absolutely need to help them be better at introducing us. Also, joint work partners. A lot of our clients, um, for whatever reason, do a fair bit of joint work with other advisors that bring them in. And, mm -hmm. and so we, we have them point in that direction too and say, well, how are these, when you show up at that meeting with their clients or this, this prospect you're going in together, like what's the expectation? What does this person think you're there to do to them? <laughs> you know, you've got to know. You've got to know. Well, and what, what Todd, what I, one of the things I love about what you were just saying was that, um, you know, when you talk about correcting, you know, on the fly uh, is, um, you know, like they might say, oh, well, Julie said about me that you're just a swell guy and you have, you're a brilliant investment manager. And, and, you know, you can flip that around by saying, yeah, and, you know, what I really get excited about working with people like Julie is I help people like her retire on her own terms. But, but the other, the, sort of the silent element that you didn't mention there was that when you're talking about, when you're reminding them that they got referred, you're sort of setting the stage for getting more referrals because you're reminding them, oh, yeah, that's right, I was referred. And apparently all his good clients refer him and, you know, sort of like laying the groundwork for that. I couldn't say it better myself, Steve. Absolutely, absolutely spot on with that. Absolutely. 
And I think, I mean, you're in a, a like-minded group here, Todd, because we're uh, very big on focus and and niche and, and all of that as well. So, uh, I, I mean, it does, you, you touched on that, but it really plays in here because your your bridge talk can't be I help everyone do anything. <laughs> right? It just it tends, tends not I, to well, flow. Give it a try, right? Go out there and give it a try. See it, how it works. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. And, and even this, you know, it's like I love when business owners, I, I love when financial advisors want to call business owners a niche market. It, it's a category. It's not a niche right. market. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we, we are often telling them is that, like, you can't talk to uh, a clientele of contractors the way that you can talk to a clientele of, uh, of lawyers or physicians. Mm. It's just... You know, so it, it makes it challenging, but it's scary because you're right. So many of the practices of the advisors we work with, guys, are uh, are diverse, right? They've developed it and built it over a period of years, and so th therefore they're they're serving a whole bunch of markets, executives and owners of businesses, and and things of that nature. So you know, we 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 help them get it as comfortable and confident. Um, you know, as tightening it up as they can. But, you know, it's not always, it's just not always possible to get it as tight as we'd like it around a very defined niche. Um, yeah. and, and it can still work. It, it can still work well. It can. Hey, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, this other concept that, that you've been talking about, which is, and I, I love the name of this, best first meeting ever. <laughs> I mean, how can that go wrong? <laughs> I want to be in that meeting. Yeah, tell, it, tell, so tell me about said. that. Yeah, well, is, enough said. Is this exactly. one? Is, is this, this is one right now. <laughs> That's um, right. You know the, you know the best first meeting. Um, yeah, you know it, it's a concept, but it's an actual thing um, where. You know, our what we come to, what we came to understand in our business and studying our clients is that we spend so much time and energy um, getting in front of the right people. Yet when we have that moment and we have that opportunity and we we have that time, we don't do very much preparation. Um, and especially as we get 20, 25, 30, 35, whatever years in the business, we've had a lot of approach meetings. We've had a lot of first meetings, and we tend to go in with a level of confidence and just winging it. And so what we challenge our advisors to do is actually prepare. And we've created a framework around having the best first meeting ever. And, and as you can imagine with what I'm sharing with you here today, it's very much about creating opportunities um, and an environment where these strangers relatively at this point have the comfort and freedom to open up and begin to share. And so, you know, we do things like don't any longer say the word agenda because nobody likes financial advisors that have agendas. Um, we use the term meeting plan because you're a planner and they expect you to be planning. So, you know, it's little things like that. And so we've got a very structured way in which we go about setting the stage for even a first meeting. Now, lots of advisors bring agendas or meeting plans, as we would call them, to later meetings once a client's engaged. But we coach that you need to really be prepared and bring that level of focus to the most important meeting ever which is about winning a relationship. And so, um, so, so that's, 
that's kind of yeah. the essence of it. And uh, and and that's you know I really want to stress something that you just said that that's so important, and that is um, uh, it's not just focusing and and preparation, but having a structure. I mean, I, I I'm 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 always surprised at how many advisors that I talk to or that I look at and realize that even though they may have done it 10, 20, 30 years, to some extent, every time they get a new client, it's kind of like they're making it up all over again. Yep. And, yep. and that, that's, that's not just inefficient and you know, um, uses a lot of time that they don't have to use, but it also means that they can't optimize it. They can't make sure that it's the best meeting ever because they're not thinking about what that meeting does but what so what are what are some of the other things that might go into a best first meeting if if you're going to build that structure yeah absolutely and so i just want to i just want to stack on to something that you just shared there not only does it not allow them to optimize it Steve, but it drives their team crazy because yeah. they come out of every single first meeting with all kinds of different information um, <laughs> right. no no real structure and nobody knows what to do it's like living in chaos um, yeah, but that's a whole nother topic. Well, yeah, it's, it's like it, it's um, it's like the uh, it's like the a, a different version of you know the uh, the World War II veteran client who shows up with the big box of receipts at, on tax day. <laughs> exactly, you got it. Exactly, that's what it feels like a lot to be on the other side of that. You know, but I'll, I'll give you. I, I think it might be helpful. In what you're maybe asking for is like let let me give you the framework for what this meeting plan looks like and, and how we basically run the meeting plan. And, and I'll walk you through that and see if where, where that kind of leads us. But the, the whole thing starts off with what we call present talk, and that's where we start off, which most people, I think, in our business and advisors would more connect with, you know, small talk, right? It's, it's, we look at it from a present talk standpoint is that we, we want to really kind of get all the distractions out of the way so that we can bring them to the present in our time here together. Um, the next, the next part of, of the, the plan is what we call appreciation and bridge. And so appreciation component of this is creating parity, creating equality. Um, I, I find that so many advisors, again, even the most successful, that they're meeting with a prospect that they might have been pursuing for a year or longer in some cases, and they're like, I am so thankful that you've given me this time here. You're starting off on the wrong foot and and, and really putting yourself in, in a lesser role and, and creating superiority and all that stuff. So we're big on creating parity and, and appreciation for the time that we have to spend together because we can both win from this. And um, so that's appreciation. And the bridge part of it is, is use your bridge language, right? So we teach our advisors that every time at the beginning of a meeting, remind them of who you help and the problems you solve, right? Um, the next piece that we talk about in our meeting plan is what we call right fit. And so this gives us an opportunity to say, listen, you know, this is a time for us to spend time here together for me to learn more about you and what's going on and what your interests are and concerns potentially, and for me to spend a little bit of time talking about you and to really set the stage for the types of engagements and things that uh, you know, typically come out of a meeting like this with clients and, and the way that we teach that is that we, we teach our advisors, say, listen, sometimes we meet with people in a meeting like this for the first time and they have some immediate issues and concerns. I, I like to refer to them as a pebble in the shoe. It's something that's keeping them up at two at night and uh, it's something that they really want to address. And other times we meet people that they've got two or three or four things that are going on in their world 
And that really requires us to take a step back and really approach this from a planning standpoint. And so our time here together is to really understand, you know, which of those are you, like what's going on in your world so that we can properly then come back and talk about how we might be able to address that and, and, and assist you in what it is you're trying to pursue. And so, you know, and, and so that's kind of the right fit piece of it. Um, and so no really, nothing scary, no commitment. It's about, you know, we want to spend some time figuring it out. What's the best relationship for you? Is it planning or is it helping you fix an immediate problem? And then um, the next part of it just goes into the meeting plan part of it, uh, which is very deliberate. And it's simply you and me and decisions. And so we'd say, you know, we have a, a meeting plan uh, that we use in a meeting like this to make sure that we spend our time appropriately together and we both have an opportunity to kind of share and, and talk. And so basically the structure of the meeting plan is, is you. We, we want to learn about you. Why are you here? How can we help? Tell us about your story. The second part of it is I'll tell you about me, my firm, my team. I'll tell you what we do and, and really what makes us different. And then the third part of it is we've got some decisions to make based upon the conversation we have today. Um, where do we go from here? Right? Did we uncover a right fit and an opportunity for us to work together in a meaningful way moving forward? And let's talk about that, and let's be clear when you leave what might next steps look like. So you can tell I've done this a few times. You, uh, yeah. You, know I mean? so you, this, should really, you should really think this through. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't yeah. think you've got a, a clear it, process. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but but I'm know, interested. So that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, but as you talk about it, it, it all makes so much sense, and it, it it does. It's interesting to hear because you've done it and it flows. What when it when you're working with advisors who are learning effectively a different approach or maybe a new mm -hmm. approach, what gets in the way for people of taking action on this kind of thing? I mean, prior success, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a layup. I've seen this a thousand times. Like I don't I don't need to do all this other stuff. Like I'm just going to go in and go after it and. And until they do that a couple of times and fail and say, hmm, maybe I ought to do something else. You know, I think scared to try something new. Um, you know, preparedness. You know, are they, are they actually preparing? You know, there's a term that we all learned growing up, right? Practice makes perfect. You guys have both heard that, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Right? Well, it's, it's completely flawed because if you're not practicing purposely, Right, it doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah, right? my, uh, so, my, my my wife is a professional musician, and she says practice makes permanent. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, you stole the words out of my mouth. That's Sorry. So you know, no, no, it's beautiful. I, I love it when you know I'm talking to people that can finish my sentences. It's uh, you know it's, you know you're in the right you know you're in the right place. That's so, right. That's exactly right. So I mean. You know, Julie, part of our role in this whole thing is, is to keep them on point. I mean, we play part mm -hmm. psychologists in our work at Legacy. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you can't, you can't pick up a book and learn this stuff and think you're going to go apply it for the next 20 years in your business. I mean, it's partly why we've created a community is to really keep people indoctrinated into this and having a home around like-minded people that are behaving the same way. Um, without that, you know, I had a client 
just uh, two, three weeks ago I was talking to, we reconnected, and he said, Todd, he goes, we stopped doing everything you taught us. And I said, why? <laughs> and he goes, because it was working. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? In <laughs> and I said, yeah, believe me. I mean, I've done it plenty of times myself. Um, but, you know, so it, it's, it's constant pulling back, constant reminding. We challenge mm -hmm. them. When my clients call me up on the phone, I tell them, be prepared. What do you do? If you can't answer that question, I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> right? Yep. You know, sure. so, yep. so we're, we're hard on people, but we're hard on them because we want the performance. Right? Otherwise, like, go read a book. Go take a class. You know, let another thing sit on your bookshelf and collect dust. Don't call legacy. That's not what we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're you're right. I mean, we're talking about changing behavior, and none of this is yep. is easy. But the concepts that you've talked about are are intuitive, right? It makes sense, and I think that I mean that's the good news because it makes it easy to see how these changes would really impact becoming. More referable, and uh, look, I know, I know, we're getting uh, up to time here, but I, I wanted to make sure because uh, you were telling me that you had a uh, an offer for the folks who were listening to access your book. Absolutely, and um, I, I, you know, as I said to you, Julie, I'd love to offer. Uh, I wrote a book um, with my brother, and and. It, it sounds dated by the date, you know, back in 2007. I am in the process of rewriting it, but it's not an easy process because the brother I wrote it with, I started this business with, and he's since passed 12 years ago. And um, I, I will tell you, it's, it's been a very, very impactful book for so many advisors. I, I second-guess rewriting it all the time. And so the book is called The Right Side of the Table, uh, where do you sit in the minds of the affluent? And I would love to make that offer to, to give a copy complimentary to any of your listeners um, and uh, in a Kindle version or, or on a paperback uh, you know, version, whatever they prefer uh, you know, to, to read. So, um, and, and Julie, I don't have it here in front of me, but I know that uh, do you have the, the URL that we're yeah, going to send? Should we provide for that or sure. how do you want to yeah. do that? We will put that link right into the show notes. So anyone Perfect. who wants to access that can click there. Um, beyond going to that, which I would absolutely recommend for everyone, where else can people find out uh, about the work that you do? I'd say, you know, you know, look me up. Follow me on social media. I'm always posting things. You know, feel free to, you know, to come to our website um, and, and look at all the different things that we're doing and, and courses we're offering. Um, and, you know, if, if that's not the way that you like to pursue things, well, then shoot me an email and, and let's get on the phone and let's have a conversation. I'm a helper. I love to talk to people. I love to learn. And um, so, you know, uh, there's a few different ways. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, kind of make ourselves available for your community. Well, that is, I mean, it's such a generous offer. Really appreciate that. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Todd. It's great. Thank you both. It was wonderful. And again, like I said, refreshing to talk to people that, uh, you know, believe and, and feel the same things. And um, so it, it was a real joy. I appreciate you bringing me on. Thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Hey, folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. 
You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.